We've got some fresh new young talent doing some things that I know you haven't heard before. One, two, three, listen. You gotta have a like the why, and we know our why. So you don't need to reinvent the wheel. Yep. Millions and millions of people have done this already. You can get help, you can get a roadmap, you can save a lot of time, money, and frustration. <laughs> Welcome to the Value Add Podcast with K&K. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Value Add Podcast with K&K. Today, we are super excited to have Alan Nevin here with us. Um, and if you don't know Alan, Alan is the Director of Economic and Market Research at Xperia Group. He has extensive background in real estate economics, demography, lending, and market analysis. He serves the development, investment, legal, and public agency communities with residential and commercial real estate valuation, feasibility, and real estate advisory services. Alan also provides forensic economic services for construction and real estate litigation. And in addition to all that, he's a teacher, investor, speaker, and author of The Great Divide. So Alan, thank you so much for coming here today. My pleasure. Yes. Cool. So, Alan, can you tell us what exactly you do? Because all that can, to somebody can seem probably complicated. I help people make money in real estate. Yay! I like that's a that. Simple answer. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, what I do. That's it. In many different in many different areas. Yes. Okay. Cool. How long have you been doing that for? Forty years. Forty years. Wow. Have you been in San Diego the whole time doing it? Yes. So that's why he loves San Are Diego. Are you born so and raised in San Diego? No, Washington, D.C. Oh, okay. And then did work bring you out here or college or? I was blessed. I got an offer from a firm out here. Nice. Yeah. And you thought, I'm not going back to Washington, D.C. ever. Took me about 15 seconds to make that decision. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. I, I, I had been to school out here, so I already knew I wanted to be a West Coast person. So what year were you out? What year were you here? I s landed here in 71. Okay. Wow. So you've seen the landscape change quite a bit since the Just 70s. a little bit. Just a little bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. And you've been in real estate the whole time doing kind of the same stuff. You know, I really have. Wow. I haven't changed at all. That's pretty cool, though. You know, I mean, doing the same thing 40 years in San Diego and watching this place grow has got to be insane. And partaking yeah, in it as well. Yeah. And uh, making money. A little bit. Enough to survive and stay here. <laughs> um, so I've I've seen you speak. Um, I was I read this book, um, and I had you on because kind of the way you view stuff. Um, I really agree with how you view stuff. Crystal and I are we're investors, and we do financing for a living, and we're we're kind of all in on real estate, and we're true believers of San Diego, and that's why we're here, and that's why we invest in San Diego, and honestly, we don't really invest outside of San Diego, so. That's just because we believe in it. Um, first question is, why did you name the book The Great Divide? Because the country is really in two parts. Mm -hmm. And there is a great divide between the gold states, which are the 15 states that basically hog all the growth, and the other 35, which just sort of sit there. And why um, – and in the book you talk about the states. Why is um, – why is there going to be a great divide? When is this going to happen? And why, you know, why is everybody moving to these states? Well, the reality is it's been going on for 40 years. Okay. And there's really been no change in the trend. The only major trend is that the southeast 
has begun to attract a large number of manufacturing firms where before it was you know, more or less an agricultural environment. Now the car de- there must be 20 car manufacturing plants in the southeast United States, and there have just been another four or five that have been announced. So that is basically draining the Midwest mm-hmm. of and its why jobs. Is that, do you think? It uh, has to do with uh, union wages. Okay. Wow, that's what it is, huh? It, it really, it's about 100%. Wow. Basically, the whole reason. Okay. <laughs> the whole reason. Okay. Uh, let me give you a, a, a short example. Boeing, now we're talking in, in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Boeing was a, is a union operation. Five years ago, they picked up one whole line of their 737s and moved it to Charleston, South Carolina, which is a right-to-work state. About 10,000 jobs they brought to Charleston. And it's wow. really only because of the fact that they could be non-union in Charleston. Interesting. Okay. And that saves them, is it money or is it just headache? It's a combination, but really it's money. Okay. A and, lot of money. Yeah, and all the benefits that go with it mm-hmm. and the cost of living. So when you look at uh, South Carolina, the cost of living there is about half what it is here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And those people are probably making good wages for a company like Boeing. So Yeah, they're, they're tickled pink to be there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think, I mean, there's a lot of talk. Do you think my, um, manufacturing is like dying in the U.S. or it's just transitioning? Oh, no, no. It's, it's doing phenomenally well. Okay. Now, it, different manufacturing. We're, we're not doing the apparel as much anymore, okay. but we are doing far more sophisticated manufacturing, and California basically is on the cutting edge of that. So, in fact, here in San Diego County, we have an amazing manufacturing machine. I mean, 75% of the military drones made in the United States right. are made here yeah. by Northrop Grumman and uh, General Atomic. So we are definitely a manufacturing county and state. So we're doing very well. It's more of like technology? Yeah. It's okay. basically tech-oriented. It's not putting hub, hubcaps mm-hmm. on cars. Okay. And then um, is do you feel like with – because the, the states, do you feel like millennials um, – it's funny because we have owned and we actually used to own a property management company we sold. So we had about 1,000 units. And one of the common things I would hear all the time is – we had stuff in North Park, so a lot of millennials were moving there, as you know. And they picked that because they came here one time or they read on an article that this is one of the top places for a millennial to be, San Diego, North Park. So they literally people were just, we got in our car, we saved up money, we drove out here, and we're going to figure it out. And they were from all over. And I said, well, why did you pick San Diego? They're like, well, I'm not going to stay in Nebraska and this and that. There's nothing for me here. Do you feel like um, with this migration that the millennial generation is going to move even faster and it's bigger presence? Well, we're number one in the United States in terms of percent of population that's a millennial. San Diego. San Diego. Wow. So we are getting our share. Okay. And the reality is that all the places that have great jobs are all really expensive so Washington, New York, Boston, uh, Seattle, certainly, Santa Clara, you know. The, so uh, they're not afraid of high cost of housing because they know they're going to earn very good incomes. Right. 
And I think too, with technology, especially it's getting easier for people to migrate. Like you can have a job interview now over Skype. You can do a walkthrough of an apartment over Skype now. I mean, people are using FaceTime. FaceTime, yeah, we've done these things. So it's so much easier now than it used to be. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you can get jobs over LinkedIn. Right. (laughs) And, And they do it. They run a very, very large employment agency, if you will. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's getting easier for people to migrate here as well. You know, one of the things that is very good about places like San Diego or Santa Clara is the interchangeability. Because once you get here, there's so many opportunities to move once you're here. Right. And and you see that, for instance, like Walmart has just brought 600 people into San Diego. Uh, It'll be their second research and development lab. Amazon's bringing in 600. Facebook's bringing in 1,200. And... They have to get those people from somewhere. So it's a matter of great opportunities. It's an easy place to recruit. Yeah. <laughs> San Diego is an easy place to say, you want to come live here? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the things, you know, I don't think people really think about but when I was reading your book, which kind of um, I didn't really think about and we were talking about is the um, – why, how the U.S. would, if it wasn't for immigration, the U.S. would not be where it's at today. And I was reading about that and some of the other, obviously we're talking about the U.S., but all these other countries and nations. And um, can you kind of go into that, why immigration has been such a big part of the U.S. and growth? And Well, interestingly enough, for the last hundred years, about 14 percent of our population has been recent immigrants. And that's been a constant. And we desperately need them. Mm-hmm. And... To cut off that flow cuts off your entry – well, two parts. First is your entry-level labor. Right. But also the scientific community where, unfortunately, we put a cap on that, which is really dumb mm-hmm. because there are very, very intelligent people mm-hmm. who would love to move here from China and other places. And we, unfortunately, put a, a cap on that, which is – very dumb. We have a friend who is very educated. He has a master's degree. He's from China, and he's been trying to get his citizenship. He got it. Ten years. He, he finally just got it, but took it took him years. ten years. He ten, was about yeah. to give up and move to Canada if it didn't Literally go this close, and yes. it went through this last, this last year. Yeah, and I thought that was just crazy because obviously as close as we are to the border – we have so many people from Mexico living here, which is great. I actually am all for that. But then you have this highly educated person from China, like with a master's degree, who could come here and be productive and paying in the taxes economy too. as well, paying taxes, and he cannot get citizenship for a decade. Yeah, and equally stupid is we have this enormous number of foreign students who come here, yeah. and then they have to go back home. Mm-hmm. And we we almost shouldn't let them. And they come pay. Back home. And they pay a lot of money. They to pay be here. a lot of money. And they think about what you pay here. They're paying a lot more. Yeah, they're. Uh, well, I, I mean, just students at UCSD, mm-hmm. uh, they pay fifty thousand. Crazy. Uh, yeah. Basically, pay a little more than twice what is that? Just Americans, tuition, or is that housing, or everything? But that's with, with everything. Whew. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, they're, they're waiting in line. 24% of the students at UCSD are foreign. And there's a waiting list. Oh, huge, huge. Wow. So it's, people don't think about this stuff. We real, and the, the um, private schools, 
particularly in the Northeast, fight for that talent to bring them there as well because money is not an object with these students. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's just funny because even when you talk to people who have kids in San Diego and they want to go out of state to school yeah, and the parents are fighting so hard to just keep them in the state because they don't want to pay that out of state tax. But then you hear, yeah, you hear like somebody coming from another country paying more than double what we're paying yeah. just to come here and have an opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Um, so one of the big things, obviously, that's, I think, on the topic of everybody is, you know, the recession talk, the R word. Mm-hmm. And um, how do you think, as a country, San Diego, California, we're doing since the last, the Great Recession? How do you think the recovery is going? And then what do you foresee about the recession talk? Is that, and what do you kind of see there? Well, of course, we've done very well since the recession. Absolutely. Not, not wild growth. But steady, which is really what you really want. Right. And as far as a recession, you know, I have friends who say we're about to have one because it's been 10 years, so we have to have one. <laughs> right. And I point out that Australia hasn't had a recession since 1991. Wow. So we don't have to have recessions. You would actually have to do something fairly stupid to cause us to have a recession and I guess Washington is capable of that. <laughs> uh, so we just don't know. I mean, they, they, putting the tariff on from China has just been a terrible thing for the economy. It's driven up the costs oh, tremendously. Yeah. I, I've seen on construction materials for sure. Yeah. And yeah. for instance, it's, it's it hasn't destroyed, but it's been very devastating for the solar industry oh, okay, that's right. uh, because yeah. they, everything they have is you know, steel and aluminum. Right. And uh, the reality is that uh, the tariff really hurts the low to moderate. It hurts the Walmart shopper uh-huh. because those are the goods that uh, they buy and they buy mostly from China. Mm-hmm. So the reality is that um, Washington could screw things up. Now, fortunately, the uh, the feds have decided not to raise the Fed rate, and that's very good. Mm-hmm. And they'll keep that down. And it's sort of interesting, the uh, 10-year Treasury, which is what sets the 30-year mortgage. Um, 245 today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, but it's typically 2% you add to that to get the 30-year conventional yeah. fixed rate. And... I don't see the 10-year going down, but I do see mortgage rates going down. Yeah. And, and I see uh, a lot of builders who, for like two or three points, can buy down the rate now to 3.99% mm-hmm. for a 30-year fixed. And that's, that's pretty neat. It's attractive. Yeah. Very, very attractive. That the, the, a mortgage with a three in front of it for anybody gets people moving. You've got it. Yep. And the uh, the lenders are um, desperate to put out money, and I see closing costs going down. I see the credit unions almost all have no closing costs. Mm-hmm. That's true, yeah. Yep. Yeah, so, people are definitely skinning up their margins quite a bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, the big guys have to keep that machine going. Yeah. Yeah. And if they have to drive down the rates to do that, that's what they're going to do. 
Do you think builders should be confident in this market starting? Because I see, for example, we live in Civita just down the street, and I'm seeing, I've been kind of surprised. There's a couple of, there was one project that moved forward, but now there's another project that hasn't even broken ground yet, but they're doing pre-sales right now for homes. And I just thought it was interesting timing in the market since we've had such a good run. I would maybe be nervous about selling in a year or two from now. Do you think that builders should be confident? Oh, I think they have to be. Yeah. Yeah. And the reality is, and it, it really is a matter of price and location. Mm-hmm. Uh, my friend Bill Davidson has a tract up in San Marcos, San Alijo Hills. Okay. Mm-hmm. Homes are $2 million. He's been selling one a week. Wow, still. He only has four left. Who's the buyer, you think? Who are those buyers? Uh, affluent professionals average age 42 little kids engineers engineers software doctors all that stuff yeah okay exactly so uh, when people want a home they're going to buy it Mm -hmm. Uh, the housing market i I just saw a report that just came out on north county and i was really pretty much surprised they've basically done in february of this year basically the same they did in february last year same number of sales, inventory's up a little bit, mm-hmm. but it's a pretty good marketplace out there. It's interesting because I think when we're talking to people in different parts of the industry, like uh, our friend that owns an escrow company, and um, then I heard CoStar talking about um, inventory. So it seems that everybody's kind of looking at this num- these numbers and seeing a little bit, especially at the beginning of the year, which I think is somewhat to be expected for the time of year, but they saw listings drop and things like that. People are kind of scared about, I think everybody's just waiting, like you said, it's been 10 years and it's been so good. Right. Uh-oh, things dropped a little bit. I think we're headed into maybe a recession or we need to watch things really closely. So you still see a really healthy market overall. Well, my problem is I look at about 12 different indexes and I don't see any of them have any weakness. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'm not looking at the right indexes, but I, one of my favorite indexes is car sales, new car sales. Yeah, that's We've amazing. had five years in a row where we've sold 17 million cars. We've never had anything like that wow. uh, in, in decades. And we did it again, you know, in 2018. And 10 years ago, the average car sold was 22,000. Last year was thirty-seven thousand. Wow, yeah, that's a big and seventy percent. I, I read an article about that. Yeah, right, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah, and seventy percent are SUVs or small trucks, yep. and it's because the millennials getting married and having kids. Yeah, we all need it bigger, bigger, bigger at this time. Absolutely, yeah. some place to hold the two wide stroller. <laughs> yes, yes. That you pay six or seven hundred dollars yeah, for. Yeah. Yeah. Um, How much was your stroller? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a little more. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> Unfortunately, I'm that person. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you think since, um, you know, I read a lot and do a lot of, like you research and a lot of articles, a couple of things I've read is um, since the recession, obviously we didn't build as much, obviously because there was a period where nobody built, so we're behind. Right. So there's a couple statistics I want to ask you about. One thing is that the big thing is, is millennials – you know, because they came out of college in the recession, they got the student debt, which is obviously becoming a stacking up, becoming yeah. a problem. But they're not buying like they were 
they were if we didn't if they didn't come out this last group in a recession, they're not buying. They saw their mom, their grandma, their uncle lose a house, and they're like, that doesn't look like an American yeah. dream to me. That looks like American nightmare. And obviously, this whole thing about renting has become bigger because people want to be mobility and move around. Do you think that is factoring into maybe housing would be stronger now if it was if there was more millennials buying, or you think it's going to get pushed off? Well, you've just covered about a half a dozen topics. <laughs> but first of all, let, let me deal with student debt. Yeah. Okay. The average debt. He's got it. We're good. The average debt of someone who graduates a Cal State school is $10,000 and a UC school, $12,000. Okay. So we're really not talking about devastating debt for the vast majority. Okay. 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 So I, I, that isn't really a bother. Okay. The. The millennials have now remained single longer. longer. So the fact that they're renting is just because they're single. Mm -hmm. And the minute they get hooked up, which inevitably means they have two jobs in the household, yep. and we average actually 1.6 in this county, but the basic point is their joint income goes up dramatically. And they can afford to buy. And they can afford a five or $600,000 house in North Park or South Park. And uh, matter of fact, if, you know, if you go down to Otay Ranch right now, there are 41 new projects for sale down there. Wow. wow. And they range from three fifty to like 600000 mm -hmm. And they're really lovely. It's a combination of detached and attached. And there's uh, no reason for someone to say that we're exorbitantly priced because we're not. Uh, our home prices, obviously not near the beach, but <laughs> right. other than that, are still halfway reasonable. And uh, and for people who work in these other high-priced markets, we're a bargain, mm -hmm. a as is our office space, by the way. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, it's it's I'm. That was really interesting what you just said about the millennials because we all have our own opinions that aren't backed necessarily by data about people. And, and also, like, we have our own – like, we, we want to buy apartments, so we haven't bought a home because we've tried to invest first. So I get when you're a certain way, you just assume everybody else must be similar <laughs> or something. But so it was cool to hear the data that really millennials are just getting married later in life, yeah. hence the reason they're buying later in life. Plus – the females going to college, uh -huh. the percent has risen up dramatically, mm -hmm. and also going to grad school. So that's a shift in aging. Right. So instead of 30 years ago, average age being 21, 22, now it's 27, 28. Right. And uh, that's just the way it is. And that has, by the way, caused our economy to blossom because they're spenders. Yes. The millennials. We like things pretty. Yeah. The millennials yeah. are spenders. And they cost money. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and uh, my stroller. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the yeah. good news is there are things here to spend money on. Yeah. Absolutely. There's no shortage of I that. Mean, no, you could be in Detroit. Uh, last month, the median home price in the city of Detroit was $60,000. Wow. So you're, you're more than welcome to go to Detroit, but, mm -hmm. you know, you're in Detroit. Yeah. Yeah. There's not much happening in Detroit. 
I think there's a reason why the medium, median home price is sixty thousand. Yeah. Precisely. Yeah. Uh, in yeah. Ta- you know, in Detroit, they leveled eighty thousand homes. Yep. Wow. Because they were just they just got to, yeah. They were empty. Yeah. They were all sent in the central city. Yep. Yeah. Wow. And there's still the average home price of sixty thousand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it, which incidentally is good. It's it's up about twenty thousand from so about five years ago. So yeah. I mean, and a few billionaires there. One that was quick and he's over there buying buildings and trying to. He's yeah. been helping it out a lot. Like, yeah, he's done an amazing yes. job, but he's only one. Exactly. He's he, you can. He's not that rich. He's not, no, he's only, it was one. No, guy. And, yeah. you know, GM and Chrysler and Ford are all there, and I don't see them. Step they're all they're all out in the suburbs. Yeah. They're not. He's downtown trying to you know buy thirty billions and rehab them and bring people in. It's a lot of work. I mean, yeah. Um, I read a statistic. I don't know if this is true. Uh, it was actually on a apartment podcast. I can't remember who it was. They're saying last cycle. Um, before the recession, we were 2.8 million surplus and overbuilt units, housing and stuff. I don't know if that's true, nationwide. And right now, we're a few million under nationwide. Well, the reality is that most places have a supply-demand balance, mm-hmm. and we have a shortage. And there are other places that have shortages. There are very, very few places right now that have an oversupply. Okay. Uh, Southeast Florida is one of them. But most of the rest of the nation is in a beautiful, balanced situation right now. Uh, first of all, the, the uh, home builders are not overbuilding. They're building in much smaller increments, and they wait till they're mostly sold before they start the next phase. Do you think that's because they're still scarred from last cycle? Yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, yeah they, they learned. Yeah. cycle, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the, when we were at the, the guy from, um, that spoke, the economist guy, from Co, what is it? Coaster? Yeah, he said we're a hundred thousand units under here, San Diego. Yeah, the mathematically we're a hundred thousand units short, and the, the reason we know that is that there are sixty six thousand people that commute every day from Riverside down here, and there are twenty thousand that come across the border every day. Okay. And about forty wow. percent of our millennials still live with their parents here. So yeah, we have a housing shortage. Yeah, and 60, then what's our population 60. growth in San Diego generally? Three, three. Okay. Yeah, so you And got... we, every decade we add about a quarter million people. Okay. A little which more. Is a, which is a good growth. It's rather nice. It's not wild. It's just steady. Steady. California as a whole steady or is it? No, it just continues to grow. We just, uh, we're about 10% of the state and we sort of follow the state pattern. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of talk, though, about people migrating away from California because of taxes. So I was just curious um, about the difference. Or expense. Yeah, because I don't know that you could. I, and it's funny because we, we recently hired a new CPA and we were talking about tax strategies. And he was like, well, I do have these strategies for some clients, but some people might be willing to do things and not. So, like, maybe I say you have to move to Arizona to save money in taxes. I don't think that um, there's probably amount of money that you would pay me to just go move yeah. somewhere for yeah, that yeah. convenience. No, you know? no, we always have people moving out. Right. But when they do the surveys of, like, the van lines, uh-huh. uh, pretty well balanced. So we have more people still moving in than we have moving out. Well, we, well first of all, most of our growth, about 70 to 80% of our growth is just natural household formation. Uh-huh. People having kids. Right. So we don't get a huge amount of immigration like we did 30 or 40 years ago. Okay. Um, but we still grow. 
What's the big, um, just speaking of San Diego, what's the big draw to San Diego? You think for a lot of people with like, Aside what are the big, office. what are the big, you know, um, employers, draws? What do you think is such a big draw for San Diego from like your point of view? Well, for the college educated, it's definitely the quality of the jobs here. We have this uh, amazing number of economic drivers that most most metropolitan areas will have maybe one or two economic drivers. We have eight or nine because we have the you know, the biotech and we have the university system. We have tourism. Uh, we have manufacturing and uh, certainly electronics and transportation. So we have an extremely broad range mm-hmm. of economic drivers. And we have military. I don't know if you said that, but military is just... Yeah. Uh, military is still... About 25% of our economy, but it, but it's not just the military in uniform. Yeah, I read your book. I was fascinated. You said people think we just have people here that are in uniform. You said, you know, there's another whole group that are contractors that are here, which I was surprised to read in your book how big that population was. Yeah, we're number two in the nation to oh, okay. uh, to suburban Virginia, and that's only yeah, yeah, makes sense. because of the Pentagon yeah. being there. But uh, we uh, remember, we're about to have another tsunami of military spending here. The next couple of years, actually, the next four or five years, it's just going to be wonderful. They're going to be putting up an enormous amount of housing in Pendleton. Okay. And they're building the new SEALs facility in Coronado. Uh, Drive down the strand and take a look off toward the ocean. You see it's all fenced off for about a mile down near the bottom. And uh, we're getting a a new facility to handle the new F-35s, which will be coming here pretty soon, loudly. (laughs) But but still, the, the, uh, the military dollars are pouring in here. So and good. is that like I think because we're buying in National City too, and we have a friend that's pretty and in, investing pretty heavily there. But there was talk that they were bringing military jobs to. There's National a City. we were told by a military lady, um, you know this or not. There's and I think I got an article from it by 2025 or 26. I think they're moving the entire base to National City. So there's another 10,000 personnel. 10,000 families, and you actually have to have people to service all those people. So they're saying another 25,000 people to that location over the next six, seven years. I don't know if you heard anything about that. I have not, and I don't know where it would be. Yeah, I don't know. They just said when we were we were at this housing thing and there was this, uh, this planning uh, session, there was a lady, Cameron met a lady with the military, and she said, yeah, we're moving an entire base from somewhere here. They're just moving them to the base there, and we're like, wow, where are they going to go? And she's like, that's why we're saying housing, housing, housing. And it's all these, there's a lot of guys, apartment owners in the rooms, you know, that are builders and stuff yeah. saying, you know. The city was selling off some sites. Yeah, like, like this is why we need housing, you know. We're yeah. just, we just, it just keeps, like you said, expanding and growing here. Yeah, I, I think there are marvelous opportunities in National City. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's uh, been underpriced for a long time. It's uh, three miles from downtown. I mean, they're going to put the whole bicycle, or this whole bicycle path that's going to go right to downtown. Um, we've seen what they want to do with the, you know, right there on the, what's the main drag there, where all the reconstruct, like, like all the redevelopment Plaza? stuff. Well, yeah, there's nice. just so much opportunity. It's going to be there in yeah. the next ten years. Yeah, and they're 
new apartment constructions under there. And um, Benita Plaza is within National City, and they're doing very well, and there's going to be another major new apartment project right across the street from it. Um, National City's big problem is they're, they're poor because their assessed values on their homes are so low because there's so many people that have owned their homes for 30, 40 years and are paying, in essence, no property taxes. Uh-huh. So they need uh, new construction and they need more turnover to get, get their tax base up. It's interesting you say that because uh, that's our client that owns some stuff in National City is doing some development there, like small development projects. So we got to go to their city meeting and meet with the mayor there, and they were really trying to push for new construction um, in National City. It seemed like they were very much wanting to work with people on new development opportunities. So they had outlined like six or seven sites that they were looking to work with a bunch of different groups to sell off these pieces of land so they could build apartments. Yeah. You know, th- there were a number of projects that were on the drawing boards before the recession. Yeah. And they were being resuscitated one by one. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of people now are, are getting more nervous. Certainly they were before uh, they knew that the rent control didn't pass. But now that it hasn't passed, there's this talk of, well, is it going to get brought up again? And is National City, like, really a safe place? What do you think? What are your thoughts on the rent control and what's going to happen with all of that? Oh, it's not going away. Yeah. I mean, there are too many people in Sacramento who think it's a good idea mm-hmm. and have never owned an apartment project. So the, the answer is it's We're going to battle it. It's, it's just going to be here. Yeah. And uh, most people have figured out that it's not a good idea, but there's some who keep pushing it. Mm-hmm. Um, what does San Diego look like in 20 years to you? No change. Really isn't. Uh, we're talking about a community that has uh, 1.3 million housing units and 20 years we'll probably add 200,000 but spread out. So I, I don't see any major changes. I do see some substantial densification closer in in urban areas mm-hmm. like the El Cajon Corridor, like Marina Linda Vista, mm-hmm. and they will go vertical, but not New York vertical. Right. You know, San Diego vertical, which yeah. maybe means six or seven stories. Yeah. Not high-rise. Uh, no. Yeah. Uh, the high-rises are very expensive mm-hmm. to build. Mm-hmm. Uh, now they're running about $450 per rentable square foot. Wow. That which is mean, really expensive. Yeah, well, it means you have to get rents of three to 4000 a month. So mm-hmm. um, high-rises here aren't that popular. Mm-hmm. They're worth $250, million, $350 million to build a high-rise probably? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, uh, but the reality is that we what we really need is more townhomes. You know, if you live back east, you go to Washington, Baltimore, Philly, New York, Boston. Everybody lives in a townhome. Mm-hmm. And it's in your book. Yeah, and we missed that phase of our growth. We went from single family and two-story apartments. Um, 
to a situation where only now we're starting to do higher density. Mm-hmm. And we need it because it's just – I'm in the middle of writing an article on the benefits of densification, the uh, enormous savings that come with just serving uh, a population with higher density versus low, the savings in such things as postal service mm-hmm. where you can you can service – a hundred unit apartment project, one yeah. box yeah. in a half an hour, the same number of single family homes, it takes two hours. Mm-hmm. And the, the you could actually have kids walk to school and right now it costs us a thousand dollars a kid for bus service. Wow. School bus service. Wow. So there's enormous benefits to densification. Savita, where we live, is a great. Pro- like it's that. a great project. You know, Savita off Friars Road. Perfect example. Exactly, they're building the school and walkable community. Yeah. We can go down to the retail. That's exactly what you need more. Yeah, of, basically, just that huge park in the middle. Yeah. And even for us, we love the convenience again because we can walk down to the park with the baby really easily. When she's old enough, she, like you said, she can walk to school. We can walk down to the gym we can take her to the yeah. pool and meet other families and friends and things just really yeah easily. no that's a new city yeah. it'll have i think almost five thousand units uh-huh. um, yeah when it's when it's all and done they, they, they have low-income housing in there they have yeah. they have they have low-income housing they have you know some luxury rentals they have mostly sales Commercial um, starting to go yep like too. you said they have a couple parks they've got a great rec center then all the it's a great and then they're going to have a business park on the very, very end when they're done making the cement over there. That's when that lease ends in seven, eight years. So you're yeah. going to have a hole all in that little spot right there. It's not little, but, you know, they'll have so it's much going on. Yeah. You know, it's really, they, they really built the first new in-town uh-huh. master plan in like in 25 years here. Yeah. Um, I think Sudbury's done a great job on that. And the... The last one to be built here was Renaissance up in UTC, oh, okay, which right. was 25, 30 years ago, and that's been an incredible success. Uh-huh. And I think Savita will be the same thing because it does have a mix of housing, just as Renaissance does. Mm-hmm. And um, their rentals have been extremely successful. The, uh, the first project, uh, Circa 37, was an enormous hit. And now um, the new one, West Park, I think it yeah. is. Yeah, they've been very, very successful. And now Chelsea has um, a couple of low-income. Mm-hmm. They're not really low anymore. You, yeah. can, you, <laughs> yeah. you can earn 60000 a year and qualify there. But the basic point is that they will have an amazing mix of product there. Yeah. And uh, and I and the, I, I think the architecture there has been very very good. It's just really it's a really the stuff nice. That they've Shea, done a really good job. Yeah, you know, Shea's done a great job. I agree. Uh, Coleridge with their new Elevate, yeah, is uh, pretty neat. So I think I think it's going to be a very fine community. We live in Frame and Focus, and we were just saying too, ah, like, we yeah, never okay. wanted. I, well, I we lived in Mission Hills before that, and just a really cute craftsman. And I never thought that I would want to be in one of those kind of like cookie cutter communities. We were just kind of like, oh, when we did it. But we also really believe in living close to work, not having a commute. So um, I was surprised at how much I really love it there because there is that sense of community when people are that close together and everybody talks and everybody's kids can kind of come outside and play and everybody's running around with the dogs. And you do get a really nice community feel um, and you become friends with your neighbors, which is, I think, something we've gone away from for a while. True. 
No, yeah. no. I mean, I, I mean, how many neighbors do we know that we've never known before? It's unbelievable. Right. Yeah. So now it's like kind of circling back. I think that kind of community atmosphere is bringing people together too in a way that you, that was yeah. like another thing we didn't really think about. But it's really nice to have that. Yeah, it yeah. is. Um, so one of the things that Crystal and I, are, we talked about before we started the podcast here um, with you is uh, multifamily. Yes. So that is where we plow most of our income, and we've done really well with that. Um, it's kind of funny because obviously multifamily, the prices have gone way up per door. Um, and, you know, so many people now are like, oh, it's so expensive. And so we meet, we have a lot of clients because we do commercial financing that own a lot of units, thousands of units. They've been in the bu- the business and they yeah. go, you know what? It was expensive in 1970. Then it was expensive in 1980. And it was expensive in 1980. So they just yeah. keep saying, you know, in 20 years, do you really think this is going to be expensive? And this is their mentality of how you invest. And what's your philosophy on multifamily? And mm. Starting in the late 70s, my friend Marv Carroll and I accumulated about 1,000 units here. Wow. Average price was 23000 a unit. <laughs> we were fairly stupid and didn't keep them. We took our nice profits and oh. left. But I will tell you, by far, <laughs> my wealthiest friends today never sold. Uh-huh. They bought when we did, and they've just held on to them. And I'm a big believer in apartments. Uh, I, I, I guess I've, I've converted eight projects from apartments into condominiums. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And I think that's a great business it, to the extent that we were able to supply moderate-priced housing. Okay. Um, biggest one was 123 units called the uh, Point, Yoma, Point Loma Yacht Club. Ah. Oh, okay. And... Um, the first one was at 70th and Dale called Westwood Village, 108 units. Wow. And uh, we sold two-bedroom, two-bath, fully renovated units for 34 nine. 75% of the tenants bought their own units, which was cool. a bonanza with, with like 3% wow, that's a down. Crazy number. So I love apartments. The problem in this community is that our average apartment unit is 50 years old. And not in good condition. Right. And our renters are B quality, but they're forced to live in C quality apartments uh-huh. because that's all we have. And I think the opportunities for renovation, repositioning projects is just enormous. And it's really interesting. Some of the big guys have gotten into it, but most of the mom and pops haven't even remotely begun to do that. And I just think there's such marvelous opportunities out there to upgrade C's into B's, particularly in urban areas. North Park certainly Mm -hmm. is a great opportunity. You know, basically anywhere between 92101 and 92115, which gets you all the beaches, gets you North Park, um, Golden Hill, and Logan Heights, Barrio Logan. I just think they all have enormous opportunities there uh, for rehab. And uh, the key to rehab, I, for me, the only thing you have to do is put a washer dryer in, and that uh, pretty much that, 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 that does it. 
Yeah. And uh, when you put the washer dryer in, it cuts your turnover in half because they don't want to move to another apartment unless it has a washer dryer. Right. So that's a good. That's a. I've that's never a really smart way to look at. I've it. never really. It's funny as much stuff we've done. We've never ever thought about like why would you? We're like, what a pain in the butt to get a washer dryer. But you're saying is it's well, and the, the cost. So then when you're spending no, but you're twenty thousand right. a unit like already, said, like they're going to go somewhere else. More, the chance of it, them sense. having a washer dryer is probably. It's not happening. But it'll cost you $1,200, and you'll get $150 a month more, so it'll pay itself off right. in yeah. a year. Uh, it's, it's probably the single best investment when you're rehabbing a unit. And the other thing, by the way, is putting up garages. Yeah. Um, we are desperate for garages yeah. here. And you can put up a garage for $8,000. And you get 150 a month for that, so it'll pay off uh, relatively few years. Mm-hmm. And uh, the self storage business here is just remarkable. Oh, because, gosh, what a great business! It is, yep. and people move here and they've got stuff, and they, they won't, they <laughs> won't get they won't get rid of stuff. Yeah. And so, yeah, so you build them a garage in an apartment project. And you basically that you give them a garage and a washer dryer, and you 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 know they're they're not moving. Yeah, yeah, that's smart. I agree. Um, so your answer to if somebody is complaining about the price per door now, and they're like, oh, it's so expensive. Your philosophy, I mean, you would think we just say that in twenty thirty years we just don't. It's not going to be any cheaper. I'm quite certain of that. I mean, they, the CoStar, when they they spoke a couple weeks ago to us, said that prices have doubled since 2008, at least in San Diego. They were speaking just to San Diego. Um, but, I mean, we've doubled prices since 2008, so that speaks. I, when people tell me that the market's getting too expensive, I'm like, as compared to what? The past? <laughs> you yeah. Know, so. Yeah. I, it, the prices will not go up in the next decade like they have in the last decade. Yeah. Right. That's a given. But if you renovate, they can. Yes. Because it's just a matter of capitalization rate. And you get really good value out of that because we we did. We had a couple projects that we've done in North Park specifically where if I'm putting in $250,000 into renovations, I'm easily getting $500,000 back, if not more. And it's so easy. And uh, we've done... uh, Renovation seminars for the Apartment Association. Oh, cool. Very cool. But they're mostly mom-and-pop owners. They've owned their units for 20, 30 years. They don't have any debt. They've had the same tenants. They don't want to raise their rents, and they don't want to rock the boat. So it doesn't happen. Now, the other thing that's obviously coming our way is the granny flat, which I think marvelous opportunities uh, for profit. Because obviously, if you can build something and have no land base, mm-hmm. uh, it's pretty remarkable. And uh, most of the most people think in terms of building a unit behind the house in the backyard. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that's a a terribly economical way to go about it. I would just go all over North and South Park, buy one-story units and stick a second floor on it, and that's your granny flat. And you can do that for amazingly little money. That's interesting. Comparatively. Yeah. You don't have to pour a slab. That's a little tip, yeah. 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 And you 
And you can build them up to 1,200 square feet. So if you've got a 1,000 square foot home and right one on story and, and add, stick up on top. Boom, huh? Now you don't have to do a new foundation. Yeah. And, and you, know. you don't have to pro- provide parking. Uh-huh. Oh. Oh, because that's on existing structure. No. Oh. Under the granny flat ordinance, you do not have to provide parking. Hmm. So if you can stick a second floor on, on your house and rent it out... Uh, I suspect the return on investment because not only do you get to put the second floor on, but at the same time you're renovating the first floor. Yeah. So you wind up with two, in essence, new units for a very reasonable price. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could not buy that second unit. Like, you couldn't go buy it for even close. It's no, exactly. a fraction of the price. Exactly. I mean, you know, you stick a gross multiplier on it of 14 or 15, and it becomes a remarkable return on investment. That's really smart. We helped a client um, with her ADU. She had an architect and everything, drawer plans and everything. Golden Hill. In Golden Hill. And it had a basement, so uh, that was not really permitted or built out. And she um, did the granny flat there, and she's done really amazing. She's VRBOing us. Yeah, she's vacation, doing the vacation rental with it, and oh, she's done really well. that's great. Yeah. I'm big on vacation rentals. Yeah. I was going to, since we threw that out there, yeah, what do you think about vacation rentals? Okay, uh, we did a major study for HomeAway, which is owned by Expedia. Yeah. And the numbers are really fairly fascinating. First of all, in the city of San Diego, 85% of all the being short-term rentals are in three zip codes, and nobody else really cares. Uh-huh. So, you know, 92037, 92109, and 92107. So you're the beach strip. And uh, other than that, there are really very few people in the uh, short-term rental business. The um, the business here for uh, short-term rentals is a big part of our tourism business. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Comic-Com, 70% of the people who come from out of town stay in a, in a B- Airbnb wow. type of unit. Yeah. Well, the hotels are booked... Yeah, the hotels are booked two years in a row, in advance. Yep. You can't get in. There's not enough of them. Yeah, so uh, they uh, uh, that just Comic Con is just one example, but we do. Remember, the city of San Diego pockets twenty million dollars a year in TOT wow. from short-term That's rentals. A couple dollars. Yeah, and they pay for themselves very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, people say, yeah, but it's it's really hurting the uh, moderate rent business. That's not where they are. Yeah. And they're not. Plus, a fairly substantial part of the inventory for short-term rentals are in units that are non-owner occupied and are only used by their owner maybe two or three months a year. Mm-hmm. So it's not as if they're kicking out people to do Airbnb. I will tell you that buying units to do a short-term rental, numbers don't work very well. Uh, it really only works well if you've owned the place for a little while. Yeah. Um, the, the, um, to really make it in the Airbnb type of business, you've got to be occupied like 70% a year, and the costs of running one of them is fairly extensive 
And if you have a third party running it for you, so it could be 20 to 30% of the revenue. Yes. So the reality is that um, if you've had a house for a while or you inherited one, great use of it. But otherwise, it's not a terribly good business to be in. And like you said, too, if, if you're kind of, you've got the second home that you don't use very often, it's just really smart to go ahead and at least monetize the time that you're not there. Yeah, I mean, the entirety of Mission Beach. <laughs> right. You know, is, is, right. is that. Yeah, we, um, so we have a four unit La Jolla Shores, and we've done three of the units, VRBO, um, for about three years. We just took them back because we were paying a lot for management, but um, they're actually doing well. And the reason why they're doing well is because the competition in La Jolla Shores, we have these one little bedroom casitas. There is no competition. There's nothing like them. And once you get them going and they kind of get out there and people realize we're, we're at 80, 85% occupancy. So we're, we're kicking back. Where are you in the Shores? Uh, 8032 through 8038 La Jolla Shores. Boulevard right there. Oh, you're right on the yeah. – oh, okay. So we're right there. So it's a good little pocket, but I have to agree that um, if you don't self-manage, it's 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 going to be very tough to make any profit. Yeah. It's and skinny what you're making, and then it, you're spending the money to um, furnish the places, and then you have to kind of keep those things updated and the wear and tear at the beach that you get just from the salt yeah. water. So we weren't really making that much more with a management company in place, paying them 25% management fee. Mm-hmm. So then when you take <laughs> it back in house, yeah. now you can make it work, but yeah. you've got to do the work. Yeah. You know, you and I, and I will say like, we're, we, since we manage, we're, we're managing it. So we're paying more attention. We're able to charge a little more cause it's, we're giving a little more personal touch, which is another cool thing. But, um, it is interesting because I agree with you. If somebody buys one and they're at 65, 60% occupancy, it, I don't know if the numbers are going to work. It's very, very they tough. Don't. You're yeah. just better off doing a rental, a regular long-term You're better rental. off just buying apartment buildings yeah. <laughs> yeah. and trying to do that model. Yeah. Love the shores. Oh. Um, it's great. It's uh, kind of a unique place. There's no yeah. hotels there, and if they are in the summer, no. Well, the Best Western is no, like four hundred and fifty dollars no, a night too. That. There's That's the hotel, about as cheap as you can get. Hotel La Jolla, which is right yeah. next to us. Good luck getting in there. It's you know double, triple the price, and yep. you have the other one. It's just, just nothing around there. Yeah. And we get it's it's pretty cool. The people we get, we get people that stay. We have some people that come every year, stay for a month. They drive cross country. It's we're getting yeah. the same people. It's, it's you know that's the point. You get re- repeat visitors, and that's just terrific. Yeah, mm-hmm. and we allow dogs because the floors are just hardwood, and it just it kind of makes sense. So yeah. we actually ended up putting ACs in all of them because we were getting complaints, and we're like, well, it's in La Jolla, and people are like, they're in they're on vacation, and they some people are used to the AC, so we put in um, split a split units in all of them, yeah. and every one of our reviews talks about. This place is great. It's by the beach and it has an AC. So we learned like That's all these little tricks that get you the extra little money. Just like you said, you know, the washer, dryer, these things with yeah. the VRBOs, you, there's a couple of tricks. So um, the other thing that was in your book, I know you kind of went over, was the office and the retail. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I kind of wanted to get your take on that because, I mean, there's a lot of things changing, but I liked how your, your take was. If you can yeah. talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, well, retail, there are. Obvious changes <laughs> yeah. taking place. Amazon. <laughs> and uh, I published an article last month on the uh, amazing changes that are taking place in the regional shopping center business. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you see Horton Plaza goes bye-bye. And you see massive renovations at UTC, 
at what's going to happen in Mission Valley, the entire East End, because the Macy's 400,000 square feet went out of business. Yeah. Uh, the shops at Carlsbad is about to basically uh, completely rebuild itself. Wow. And they're really? going to add hotels, apartments, supermarkets. They've added, in the last three years, we, we did a, just did a, a study for them, They've added about 20 new eateries, and they're doing phenomenally well. Mm-hmm. They've got they have Dave & Buster's and Cheesecake Factory and all the name brands. So the, the regional business is, is um, uh, changing for the better. Yeah. And you see UTC, they're putting up a beautiful new apartment project yep. there, 300 units. Graystar is doing it. Uh-huh. And um, they've just basically been out of touch with reality and one by one they're all changing and where they would never ever think of allowing a a target in a regional center they now have targets in regional centers and the um, the other part of the business is the small retail centers incidentally in even the worst of times during the recession our retail vacancy rate never really got over 5%. We never overbuilt. We didn't build a lot of the big box stores sure. uh, that are now, that were sitting empty. We didn't have that here. Mm-hmm. We stayed very strong. We have one of the lowest vacancy rates in retail in the nation. We're at about 4%. Wow. And, cool. and we stay that way. Okay. And honestly, yeah. it's funny because uh, we drive around L.A. sometimes and I go, gosh, it's really weird like what a strong market this is. And then I drive around and I see so much retail vacant everywhere in L.A. Yeah. Um, we, like you said, you don't see that very often yeah, here. Very, very. It, it stuck out to me in L.A. when I was like, wow, this is like a huge city compared to San Diego. Yeah. So, no, we're, our retail is quite good. And uh, we didn't overbuild for some odd reason. We usually overbuild <laughs> in everything, but we yeah. didn't with retail. And um, the smaller centers are uh, solely being renovated, but the reality is that these small centers provide services that you can't buy on the web. Yeah. And that's really what it's all about. They, uh-huh. They're, you know, and the restaurants, hair salons, laundries, yep. dry cleaners, um, you need them. Well, and it's interesting what you were talking about with, like, UTC, for example. It seems like at least Westfield, because I've seen them, the, their it's Century LA. City one, LA, they did the same thing. They're yeah. putting a gym in. They have a grocery at the one in LA. I'm sure they're going to put something similar like that to UTC or have a goal for it. So, again, that you don't just go to the mall to go shopping at, you know, Nordstrom's or whatever. You might go grocery shopping while you're there. You might or eat at the, the 21 restaurants they have. Yeah, or eat at one yes. of the cool restaurants they yeah. have and then they have build. a cocktail with friends now it's not just yeah. about shopping it's a lifestyle yeah uh, i feel like fashion valley really missed the mark because they did that huge renovation and then westfield utc did theirs and it was like oh they don't really have many restaurants and there's yeah. not a draw there's yeah. the one you know no it's sort of interesting yeah but it happens to be the most successful mall in the yeah. city it still is so yeah. there so, yeah uh, but the reason is is their Christmas season they have at Fashion Valley this enormous influx from Mexico City. And all the high-end brands. Yeah. 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 So it works. So our retailing is good. Office Office isn't going to be the uh, 
the star of the <laughs> next, next 20 years. Yeah. And it, it really it has to do with two things. Number one is that we have fewer people per thousand square feet um, that are in office space. And the uh, other half of that is where people used to have big offices. They don't have big offices anymore. And like the accounting firms, almost no one has a private office. Uh -huh. yep. So you don't need the office space. The other part of it is that we have created this entire new business of alternative office space by using uh, reconstituted industrial space. Like the old Tribune over here? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. We're, we're being more creative with our office space. Mm -hmm. and, and that's good. And then there's plenty of business for that. And then, of course, that whole, the, the entire business of the WeWork, WeMerge. Yeah. Um, now, we don't know what would happen during a recession to those kind of businesses. But uh, the reality is that they, we have over a million square feet of WeWork type of uh, space here in the county already. And uh, it, it seems to work because there's so many people who want to work alone. Yeah, and it's a really easy plug and play too. So for that rate, you get the copier and you get the snack bar that's close yeah. by and great but also the networking is huge networking. i heard the networking is huge yeah. in there i heard from yeah. people working like the we works they said the networking and the yeah you know it's it's unbelievable the businesses sharing ideas and referring each other business they said it's some people are like you should just have an office in there and go spend a couple of days a week just all the yeah. people you get to meet so yeah and then the the, the industrial part of it expera group is in a reconstituted industrial park Oh, okay. And now everyone, every one of the buildings in there is basically in a high-tech business. And uh, we have a 12,000-square-foot space, 24 feet high. Wow. And uh, cubicles, I, there are a few of us that have private offices, but <laughs> nonetheless, uh, most people are in cubicles. And we have a, a, a large kitchen set up. Um, and uh, several nice conference rooms, and it's a very comfortable place to work, mm -hmm. and that's what's happening. Do you think in Mission Valley specifically, because I think we call it Commission Valley, and <laughs> there's so much of this like old office that just has not been yeah. redone, and it seems like they're slowly starting to take some of that down. Do you see a shift happening with a lot of the buildings here? Well, we, we need new office space. I mean, most of our office space is C quality. Mm -hmm. And not much you can do about it. I, yeah. You have the, you take the old UT building, and across the street was the headquarters of M.H. Golden, an mm -hmm. old construction firm here. It's about to be scraped. Yeah. Trammell Crow is going to put up 300 apartments there. Yeah. Oh, is that what they're doing? Yeah. Wow. So, uh we do need new office space. Mm -hmm. um, Qualcomm's a good spot for it. I'm sorry. Qualcomm would be a great spot for it. Uh, and it will have. Qualcomm yeah. is going to be a marvelous project. Yeah. Um, Don't you think they'll have tech office there? By They'll attract some really good... Yeah. Um, we did a fiscal impact study on Qualcomm 
than two of them now, um, that basically shows that the residual land value is just enormous because they're going to have like 4,000 residential units there and, and retail and office and hotels and, of course, the university. Yeah. It's going to be a great project. Mission Valley is just going to, I mean. It, well, it's not going to be fun for driving. No. Uh, in the next 20 years, they're going to add 12,000 units on yeah. Friars Road. So there's going to be some serious <laughs> yeah. traffic. I mean, we already are seeing the traffic issues with them widening Friars here. Oh, sure. And so it's been, I'm wondering where everybody's going to go. And then into that end, Everybody too, else is, too. <laughs> I'm surprised at prices, too, because I bought my first condo in Mission Valley in um, Escala. Escala back in, like, 2005 or six for, I think, 500000 And now there are places in Savita that are selling for a million two fifty. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So that's amazing. Yeah, I really like Escala. Uh, it was really nice. It was I, I loved living. Good there. project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, so one of my favorite things that you talk about that honestly nobody ever talks about is the um, is the wealth transfer. Yeah, I just think, and I'm surprised that, I mean, some people talk about it, but even when you get economists and everybody. Nobody really touches on it, and I feel like it gets passed up by so much because Crystal and I, we're, you know, we're in the apartment business and the finance, so we are seeing a lot of, you know, somebody passes away, they get the building, they don't know what to do with it, um, or they inherit money, and they want to buy it. So we see it on our side a little more because obviously part of the wealth is people that own property or real estate. You're part of those transactions, so you see it pass, and some people want to sell the building and go spend the money and buy cars and houses. And some people want to keep yeah. the building and be smart and reinvest it. Um, can you kind of talk about, um, in your book, I know you talk about, which is when it kind of started, why there is such a big movement and kind of how this is all going to, how you see this kind of going? Well, it's, it's really just a, t a matter of timing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because this is the first generation that has lived as long as it has and they own their homes free and clear, and they're going to leave them to somebody, and only 2% leave them to charity. The rest <laughs> of them leave, wow. leave it to relatives. Uh -huh. And there are literally millions of people who are inheriting homes, and either they're going to uh, rent them out, which incidentally is a fairly large part of the uh, short-term housing business here, Wow. Folks who've inherited, and they're they're using that money to live on uh -huh. the rent money. I, um, I went to a uh, I went to La Jolla Community Center meeting when they were discussing what to do with short term rentals, and about half the audience there were like maybe three four hundred people there. About half the audience were people who said, "I own my mother left me this house." And it's my only source of income. So they, uh, it's, uh, it's happening, and it's a tsunami. Um, I think about 80% 80, 80 of seniors own their own homes, virtually all, uh, no mortgage. And the, um, the insurance companies, the business of insurance really only started after World War II. So that generation that was in World War II 
was really the first generation that had life insurance mm -hmm. because the government gave the soldiers life insurance. Okay. And then they continued. And you have Metropolitan Life, which insures, I think, one out of every four Americans. Wow. It's an amazing number. But now their payoffs are starting because that World War II generation is uh, passing away. And they're cashing out on their life insurance policies. And most of them bought whole life because the term wasn't popular mm -hmm. uh, initially. Oh, okay. So that – and then we really never had pension funds prior to World War II either. And that entire 50, 60-year run of pensions have been building up. And um, the older generation are savers. They're not spenders. And when they pass away, they pass it on to their kids, their grandkids. And, um, and they're spenders. They, well, they'll spend. Yeah. Uh, they're not all foolhardy, but, <laughs> but I, mean, I will tell you that my two oldest grandchildren are heirs. Mm -hmm. Their mother's father died and left them a bunch of real estate in Florida. And they're in their mid-20s, and they really don't have to work again the rest of their lives. <laughs> but they do because they have a work orientation. But the basic point is that that's you know one small example. Yeah. Of uh, what's coming down the road. So that's why I'm very, very positive over the next 25 years. And I say $40 trillion, you know, it might be 50, so who knows? The it's basic point is money. it's coming down. Yeah. And, and it's, uh, quite and it's, a bit. And it's yeah. going to be in people that have younger people that are probably going to do something with the money, whether they're going to rent the house, buy a car, buy another house, buy a yeah. second home, go on vacation, buy an expensive. Something for their kid, you know, whatever yeah, it is, it, and pay for college. Yeah, and it's a, uh, it's a marvelous uh, thing that's going to happen, and I will tell you that it's fairly unique to the United States. That most of the other industrialized countries in the world don't have that combination of factors. Interesting. Um, so it's uh, we're really fairly unique in that respect. Uh -huh. Why uh, is that? Well, the other countries, first of all, they weren't much on life insurance at all. Mm -hmm. And they relied on their government for the government pensions, mm -hmm. like all of Europe did, basically. And those were okay, but nothing to write home about. Uh, they also, um, they weren't investors. Mm -hmm. I noticed in a lot of other countries, like, owning apartment buildings isn't as big of a thing. Yeah. I, I mean, if you go to Europe, there's no such thing as garden apartments. Right. You yeah. know, you don't have yeah. – it doesn't happen. Yeah. It really doesn't. When we went, we looked, and I was like, this is odd. There's not really yeah, a Yeah, uh, people own condominiums and rent them out. Yep. Yes. But they don't have rental apartments, mainly see. because their laws won't let you kick out anybody. Uh. Okay. So they just don't have them. And um, they're, they're, gradually it's happening. But the reality is that uh, the rest of the world, and, and certainly China, uh, Korea, and these other places just don't have they, – they are savers, mm -hmm. but they're not investors. Right. And uh, they've, they've, they've been burned a few times. Mm -hmm. 
So the basic point is that we sort of are pretty unique mm -hmm. uh, in what we have here, and that's why I'm very positive. So as much as you can forecast a recession or this or that, there's other factors that are going to yeah. come in play. There could be a recession, but a lot of people inheriting money that are going to take advantage of it. So there's just it's there's yeah. a lot of factors involved that really. Yeah, you know, in the last recession, I tracked the sales and the stocks of better quality merchandise, and there was almost no recession. Mm -hmm. The recession that we had was almost an entirety a blue-collar recession. And when you look at the stocks of Nordstrom's, you look at car sales of the Beamers and the uh, Mercedes, Luxury uh, they didn't suffer very much at all. It's funny you say that because I lived in San Francisco at the time. Um, I moved from San Diego and took a job with WAMU up in San Francisco. And I lived there from two thousand, like late 2006 until the end of 2008. <laughs> and it did not feel like there was any recession in San Francisco. Like it, we were in this bubble no. where real I mean, estate prices were going up and people no, were crazy. doing really well at work and yeah. everybody was doing fine. I mean, you look at it, it's Salesforce, which was starting just then and yeah. what has happened to that. Yeah. Just incredible. Just, yeah. yeah. We didn't feel it. I, I remember talking to family and friends and having some clients here that were maybe having some issues with real estate or their homes and just thinking like, oh, my gosh, I'm talking to my friends in San Francisco. And they're like, hey, uh, my value just increased 200000 from yeah. six months ago or, you know, <laughs> these things. And I, it, like it, we were in our own bubble. And like you said, it, it's those people that are more highly educated. They didn't uh, feel it. Major, you know. Yeah. Employers were there. There was just not the issue. There's just a lot of money there. Yeah. People make a lot of money and nobody... Yeah. The unemployment rate for college-educated people during the recession was 4%. Yeah. So it uh, didn't affect all those people working in the software mm -hmm. business here, the biotech, biomed. Uh, certainly didn't affect the military at one iota. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, we're in good shape in this county. And we, we were talking just a little bit before we started the podcast. I wanted to kind of talk about it on the air is um, construction because I was mentioning that I was talking to our Home Depot rep and they were kind of thinking that construction, their numbers weren't going to do so well the second half of this year and um, that maybe like construction would start coming to a slow, like a pause. And then they actually said that we think renovations are going to come to a halt. Like basically nobody's going to be renovating. That was Home Depot's outlook. Yeah. That's... That was the outlook. So I just want to hear from you, your insight on that and where you think it's headed with rehab and construction. Let me try from a national basis. During the last year, there were billions of dollars of homes that were destroyed by fire, tornadoes, hurricanes. Sure. That's an enormous amount of business that is going to be rebuilt. Mm -hmm. And uh, you just go up like Santa Rosa and see thousands of homes that torn. Oh, and, and every day you seem to read in the paper about another state that's been flooded out. That's all going to be new construction. Yeah. So it's materials, uh, construction materials, sales for the Home Depots and the Lowe's of the world uh -huh. are just going to be extremely good um, this, this year. Plus, 
renovation is, as I pointed out before, is about 40% of the construction business. And people love to remodel. And remodeling loans. Yeah, remodeling loans are so easy to get mm-hmm. uh, from any credit union or bank, and it's an enormous business, and there's no reason to think that there's going to be a slowdown in that. If, if anything, if new home sales slow down, that'll accelerate remodeling of existing homes. That's interesting. interesting. And then yeah. you were also mentioning because of the ADU, e- even here locally, that that's going to spur some additional construction as well. Yeah. So that's another, like, I guess maybe unique thing that we have here in San Diego. Maybe other places have it. But um, I think that's so true because even so, if times get tight, people are seeing the financial benefit to adding an accessory dwelling unit to bring in additional income. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And that's just started. Mm-hmm. It really is because I think a lot of people were looking. I think they they dropped down the fees because before people thought maybe it was expensive or they didn't quite understand. But I'm hearing a lot more about it now catching on that everybody can now kind of get this free bonus unit on their home. It is a bonus. Yeah. That's why they call it a bonus. Yeah, that's why they call it a bonus. It works extremely well on small one-story homes. Yeah. And we have a lot of those. So yes. many of them. Yeah. Um, a couple quick questions for you before you wrap up. Um, what's probably one of the like top questions because you're in a con like everybody asked you? What's probably like the number one question everybody always asks you? Oh, when's the recession coming? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we covered that. <laughs> <laughs> what's your answer? Uh, and my answer is I don't see one coming. Yeah. I mean, unless something really abnormal would hit. And I, I can't even envision what that would be. Mm-hmm. Certain mm-hmm. parts of the country could feel slowdowns in other parts, maybe that, or no? Yeah, uh, well, states like Texas will keep on booming because they're just an incredible job machine. Mm-hmm. But all the gold states are doing very, very well now, okay. extremely well. What's uh, some of your favorite places in San Diego? And where do you think we're in San Diego, some of your favorite places, and where do you think is going to be some of the biggest changes in the next, you know, 10 years, for example, in San Diego? We'll see. Oh, I think the entire um, El Cajon Corridor, Washington uh, University to El Cajon, all the way out to La Mesa, Mm -hmm. and... Then you are going to be seeing major changes in Hillcrest because the new Uptown Planning Group is all pro-development. Very unusual. Seven candidates, all one, all pro-development. Wow. So you're going to see some huge changes uh, in the greater Hillcrest, Bankers Hill area. Cool. Which is neat. Yeah. Uh, So, and and then... (laughs) The, the military is big, but it almost pales in comparison to what's happening at UCSD, which is an incredible machine. At all times, they have about $2 billion in construction and planning. Wow. If you go up there now, there are probably seven or eight cranes in the air. Wow. They have three new villages under construction. Uh, the first one is called Living and Learning. 
and it's uh, right on Torrey Pines Road, and they're going to have 2,000 beds and two high-rise um, uh, buildings, educational wow. buildings. Uh, it's an amazing institution, and they're 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 growing by a thousand, couple thousand students a year, and they are in the middle of a billion and a half dollar campaign, and I think they've got most of it already. Wow. They're just they're an amazing machine, uh-huh. and of course they're opening a campus downtown, which is very nice. Mm-hmm. Wow! Um, so it's, it's an amazing school, huh? That school is just it's it's yeah it's. One of the great ones in this country. I, uh, um, and then San Diego State will have its new campus, which yep. it desperately needs. Yep. And San Marcos is on an expansion path. Oh, yeah. uh, they're adding about 1,000 students a year. And um, USD is growing. They don't have much room, but they're growing slowly. So basically speaking, the uh, university system here is really uh, on a roll. It's a fairly popular place for people to go to school. Who wouldn't want to go to college here? It's a, <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, honestly. Um, what's your, like, just curiosity, what's your why? Like, why do you, you just continue to teach, you continue to, you know, you're like, you wrote a book, like, why do you keep doing it? Like, why not just, yeah, I'm done and retire and what's it's, your why? It's fun. Yeah. I, I can't even remotely think of retiring. Okay. One day off a week, I'm, I go nuts. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Keeps no, you it, going. It, I'm in a fun business. Mm-hmm. And I see all the wonderful things that are happening in this community. And it's great to be part of it. Yeah. What's something that we don't know that we should know? From your perspective of... Well, it's a good question. I think... I think that most people can't envision tomorrow, mm-hmm. and you have to be able to do that to see what's going to happen here. I mean, even if you look at downtown San Diego and look at the last 15 years, there's been an enormous change in downtown. I just look at the Doug Manchester, what's going on, I'm like, oh. Yeah, and, and it's just starting, because between uh, Doug Manchester's project <laughs> and see, the new seaport village, <laughs> yeah. and you're having new hotels on Harbor Island, uh-huh. and you're going to see, on average, about uh, 1,500 to 2,000 new housing units a year built downtown wow. of all different kinds. And you're not even going to be able to walk on Fifth Avenue, right? Uh, well, that's, that. yeah, that's, yeah, plus we'll see a new convention center, uh-huh. a third phase of that, and uh, you'll see our cruise business, is starting to come back again. So the the reality is that we change slowly, but every if you come back over a ten year period and look back, you begin to see uh, some amazing changes here. And our employment base is so strong and so varied that it's I hate to say recession proof, but pretty close to it. Mm-hmm. So, so San Diego is a really great place to live, to invest, to be, to go to school. I mean, you're, it's just basically what's going on. It's just going to keep. And make a buck. Yeah. 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 
Um, are you working on any fun projects now besides, or is there anything you're working on now that you're uh, kind of... <laughs> working on the second edition of my book. Cool. I'm expanding the uh, international aspect because there are a lot of things happening internationally that nerd to the benefit of the United States, mm-hmm. uh, despite who's president. <laughs> And um, I guess am I allowed to say that on the air? So here's your book, The Great Divide. I'm just putting it on the camera. I really enjoyed it. It's Thank it's you. actually a pretty simple read. Yeah. Um, it's fun, and there's a lot of nuggets in there. I know we could spend three hours going through it, but I appreciate your time, Alan, for coming in. My pleasure. Um, where, if anybody wanted to reach you, what's the best way to reach you? Um. Go on the web and look under Xpera Group. There you go. That's simple. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming. Oh, and the book's available on Amazon, yes. as you might I imagine. Yes. And they yes. should absolutely <laughs> get it. Please buy the book. Yes. It's yeah. good. Oh, yes. Thank you. Cool. Thanks, good. Alan, for coming. Thanks I appreciate so the time. And the it's my pleasure. Yeah. It's fun. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.